0: Hello everyone and welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. I'm Matthew and today we're going to be doing another little short review of a new release and we're going to be talking about M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin. So M. Night Shyamalan is, is possibly the filmmaker who has the most interesting narrative around the work. You know, he appears to be loved and hated in equal measure, You know, considered by some to be on a continual slide from the sublime to ridiculous, Relying you know, only on twists to make his films interesting, and and trading on a name that he made at the turn of the century, and you know since failed to live up to, but you know others see him as someone chewed up and spat out by the studio system, carving out his own niche outside of it, and and making interesting and worthwhile films, you know just as good as some of those earlier efforts. Personally, you know I fall somewhere in between those two, you know as I'm sure a lot of people do. You know I'm I'm in awe frankly it is constant self-funding and the massive returns that he gets on his work and you know also that he just seems to tap into you know popular audience that are always always with him with you know big screen releases you know at a time when just getting a big screen release is becoming increasingly difficult uh but you know for me his films are inconsistent and personally he's never made a film that i've, I've really truly loved you know uh, but for every split, there's a glass. For every six cents, there's an old. Uh, but, you know, regardless of the quality of these films, there are always, at the very least, interesting and, you know, worthwhile when he's taking the reins fully. Uh, I would say that, you know, for me, The Last Airbender in After Earth, I think, should be struck from his filmography. Uh, they just don't feel representative to me as a filmmaker. He is. I think they come with a lot of, you know, studio and. Interference from elsewhere. Uh, this time, though, he is adapting work. Uh, Paul Tremblay's novel, *The Cabin at the End of the World*, uh, which for me is a much better title than *Knock at the Cabin*, but there we go. Uh, so it's a novel that I have read. Uh, so you know, I'm obviously going to be making comparisons, uh, and you know, may come to some different conclusions around the film than you know a lot of people might. And you know, as a result, I am going to be treating this as an adaptation as well as a film in its own right. And you know, I just think it is quite interesting for Shaman because it's a relatively new way of working for him as he's only really adapted twice before that with The Last Airbender and then then with Old. Uh, so the story for this follows Andrew, Eric and their daughter Wen. Uh, they're on vacation at a summer cabin and they're met by Dave Batista's Leonard and his associates played by Nikki Amuka Bird, Abby Quinn and Rupert Grint. Uh, So the intruders break into the cabin and restrain the family and they proceed to tell them that the group have been experiencing visions of the apocalypse and have been brought to the cabin so that they can put a choice to the two men and the daughter and that choice is that they must sacrifice their life and be killed by the others or that the world is going to end. So the first thing that must be pointed out here is that the timing of this release is unfortunate to say the least. So I mean just... Days before this film hit cinemas, The Last of Us told you know beautiful love story between two men experiencing the end of the world. So for Knock at the Cabin to come along and do a very similar thing so soon, you know it's inevitably going to lead to comparisons that you know neither a piece of work deserves. You know they both stand in their own right, and I'm not going to make those comparisons today. Uh, so I would say that from the off, Ben Aldridge and Jonathan Groff playing Andrew and Eric respectively. Uh, they do a stellar job in this film as they the whole premise of the piece and, you know, our ability to buy in and, and, you know, relate to this tension, you know, it relies entirely on whether they can convince us that they love each other and that the choice that they've been presented in the film is an impossible one. They absolutely do this. And, you know, they also share the love with Kristen QE's Wen and you know, she provides back in spades Typical of M. Night Shyamalan. He's a great director, you know, with children. And, you know, another another excellent performance from from the young girl. And, uh, you know, and the, the three of them, they provide us, you know, with a family that we don't want to see hurt. You know, and the, the struggle really just extends out of the screen constantly. And, you know, the characters, they're, they're well drawn and the actors playing them, you know, they're demanded to show your range and you know the contemplative and understanding of the aggressors and, and you know and the intruders you know but at the same time you know the resistant and rebellious and you know and they've got to play both of those off and if they couldn't do this the film would just fall apart but thankfully you know the, the three family members in this that they're, they're all really great but it is their antagonist that we have the real star you know, I've I've often felt that with Dave Batista he is a really great actor, and he's just been waiting for a, a a big dramatic role that he'd just be able to get his teeth into. And you know, he's always been engaging and a joy to see playing these you know smaller roles or or comedy roles. And I would say you know he's picked his projects very well, done a lot of very good films, but. Seeing him here, though, it, it's his most accomplished performance to date. You know, the character of Leonard is, is written as a, a gentle giant. You're resistant to his calling, but he, he's bound by a higher power, and you know, he delivers this. He's and then some. You know, he's you know despite his hulking size, he carries himself with a you know great deal of delicacy, and you know his voice work in the film is phenomenal. You know, he's constantly wrestling pun intended. You know with sounding measured calm and you're know, reassuring just despite the unprecedented situation that he finds himself in you know and the times you know where he cracks from this facade or you know moves physically away from that facade they feel so impactful and you know you just wouldn't get that from a lesser performer you know with the same material you know and I would say with with Dave Bautista, you know, in terms of acting ability, for me, he surpasses any other wrestler-turned-actor. And I just hope that this role for him is, you know, a catalyst for more like this. And, you know, he really gets to just keep working and develop as an actor because there is a lot to like there. Of course, you know, all the praise where he'd been on the actors. uh, I would say the rest of the cast would most likely get some of the growth from what we do get to see. But for various reasons, you know, they're just not really in it enough. But for all that, you know, we also have to praise the director. He's the one that's translated this to the screen. And, you know, I think Shyamalan is is producing some of his best work as a director here. You know, he's kind of strange in that he takes a very heavy hand with how he's directing this. You know, his use of zooms and focus, it's it's not subtle at all. But at the same time, it doesn't feel excessive. You know, it's quite charming and it it feels a little bit like a throwback. I would say sometimes his use of space and you know the way some of the shots have been cut together uh, you know, kind of make the scenes a little difficult to tell who's where and you know the geography of the cabin. But on the whole, you know he's done a really great job. Uh, unfortunately, I, I don't think the same can entirely be said for the script. You know, on the story, uh, there are some points that I'm, I'm really not going to get into because of spoilers, where Shyamalan has taken the story in some very different directions to Tremblay's novel, and I think for me they they undermine many of the themes that, that I took away from the book, uh, especially around the idea of faith and how far that you can believe something that, that is going on around you. Uh, so you know, the book it is at a pains to constantly keep the reader unsure as to what the real truth of the situation is and what's happening. You know, it's constantly providing evidence and counter-evidence, and there's there's always doubt, there's always skepticism, and it, you know it's presented to us quite reasonably. But I think instead of this, Shyamalan has opted to provide definitive answers by the time that the third act comes around. And I think as a result on that front, it does feel uh, a little less thoughtful and emotive as it possibly could. And another drawback for the film is that you know, its a story and it's a film that is, is filled with violence of one kind or another, uh, but it's but it's always shown off screen. And you know I know filmmakers always tread a tightrope of what they can show against what age rating they need to you know to maximise the revenue but i couldn't help but think that you know the film could have packed a bit more of a punch and i don't think that they would have had to really do all that much while still keeping the the age rating that they've got i mean it's a 15 in the uk so i would probably assume that's an r in the us so i think you know it would probably you'd probably be able to get away with more but still keeping that you know that age rating in place and i think that would have just, you know, just emphasized a little bit more gore, just to really nail into the horror of, of what was going on. Saying that, what the film does do, uh, as well as its source novel, it just gives us this really you know, interesting and, and very delightful twist on the home invasion genre. The invaders are bringing with them you know, real danger, uh, but they're not necessarily villains and you know, they, they're reluctant in what they're doing and they don't pose any real direct threat to the characters you know that their their messages they're giving the characters a choice and we're sat with you know the same feelings of dread and danger that we normally get from these kinds of films but it's sort of more cerebral and and a bit more troubling in that way you know we're not worried that the invaders are going to hurt the characters that we like but we are worried that the characters will be convinced to hurt themselves you know or that the antagonists here are telling the truth and that you know, something much worse across the world is going to happen. And, you know, it's something, you know, the way that the invaders, you know, aren't a threat in the usual sense, it's not something that I really recall ever seeing before, and I thought it was nice to see something this fresh on the screen. You know, on top of that as well, it it does leave the viewer with, you know, with a lot of thoughts, you know, about ethics and morals of the situation, the choices the characters are making, and what's right or wrong, the value and, and... how much lives are worth and things like that, you know. And for you know, something that's that's so populist and you know it's a big wide release, there's a it shouldn't say a surprising amount of depth because you know we we do get films you know akin to this, but it would say it's surprising in terms of you know what we normally receive as wide release films uh, that there is you know so much depth to this, and it you know it all a result of how the story is told and you know how. Everything that we've said before comes together, and it's you know it's very good on that front. Uh, but on the whole, for me, I think the film suffers because it's an adaptation. So you know, viewers that haven't read the source material, they'll likely get more out of this film than I did. Now, if I was going into the film cold, I think I would have found it more exciting and more interesting than I did. Uh, not so much that I knew where the story was going, because you know, like I say, there are some very different turns uh, but I was just unfortunately left brewing sort of what could have been with the film rather than enjoying what was uh, but again that's not to say that the film's to be avoided and you're know, quite the opposite because you know the book you know the bulk of this review is very positive and the film it's entertaining and, and engaging and I I would encourage almost everyone to go see it and you know you you will almost certainly enjoy it probably more than I did <laughs> probably. So you're know, in the creative psychopaths tradition. Yeah, you know, we're reviewing this film on a scale from shit to creative psychopath via an ooh, that's spooky. I'm going to go with the latter for this one. But you know, most importantly, I'm you know really interested to hear what you think. So join us on the Facebook group. Just search for creative psychopaths, and yeah, share your thoughts. You know, especially if you haven't read the book, and you know, if you have, you know, we can talk about that as well. Uh, but you can also find us on Instagram, find us on Twitter. Just search creative psychopaths. Uh, I'm on Twitter at I Like Dumb Movies, and we're on Letterboxd2 at CP underscore sci- Podcast, And I'm there as Matthew Thorne, which is just all one word. So, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.